Well, good morning. morning. You probably noticed I'm not Pastor Dale. Of course, he sends his love to you all. He would always rather be here, but he was blessed with an opportunity to be with Miss Jill and all her family this weekend, and so he is enjoying some family time. So know that he loves y'all, and um, don't get too upset. He'll be back here next week, okay? All right, well, uh, you know, I usually don't start off with scriptures, but I'm actually going to today, so I'm glad y'all are standing. Um, We're going to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians, um, chapter 1, 6 through 8, and chapter 3, 6 through 7, 1 Thessalonians. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from the word of the Lord, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. And then in Thessalonians 3, 6 and 7. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us the good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to minister your word freely today. We just bless your word. I thank you for all that it will accomplish today as it goes forth. I thank you that salvations will come, that healings will come, that deliverances will come, Lord God, and that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. So was that some good worship this morning or what? Amen. Let me tell you now, worship will break the chains. Worship will break the chains, and worship is part of our warfare, and it's one of the weapons that we have, and um, I'll tell you, when we were singing the second song and the third song, I could just see Paul and Silas in the jail cells singing those same kind of songs and just bringing heaven right down into their situation, and the chains breaking off, and the doors swinging open, and salvation coming forth. You know, because I'll tell you what, if you're down and out, and you feel like everything is against you, praise. Just praise. Even if you don't feel like it, and even if it starts out as a little mumble. I praise you, Lord. Because let me tell you something. You cannot praise God and have darkness stick around. It, it, it won't. It won't. That light starts to come in and darkness just flees. Amen. 
That's right. And that's, you got to encourage yourself. You got to build yourself up. And I, I just thank God for the praise team and because every single one of them has such a heart towards God. They are not up here. They have no desire to perform for you. They have no desire for that. All they want to do is worship the Lord. And they want to bring you in with them and let you enjoy the journey. Amen. And that is, that is such a blessing. That is such a blessing. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about some things that I've been pondering as of late. And um, First Thessalonians is a book that we've been going over actually in community group. And so for you that are in the community group, I apologize if you've already heard me say this a hundred times. But I can't get past it. You know, it's just something that's been on my mind. And when I read those scriptures to you, I want to give you a little bit of background, okay? This is um, a letter from Paul to the Thessalonians. And he's actually overjoyed to hear of their faith. And that's what this letter is. Now, the reason this is so significant, and you, you notice when I read this, that he was talking about they received the word in the midst of their affliction. All right? These were, this is Thessalonica. Thessalonica. These people are in the midst of idol worship. Uh, all right? All this is going on. Of course, you have Roman rule. All right? So this is a heavy place to now for Paul and Silas to come in and preach the word, and now you're going to accept this new faith in the middle of this stronghold of other faiths in, in idol worship, okay? But the thing that, is, that really struck me about this is that Paul and Silas were only here for about three weeks. If you go to Acts chapter 17, it'll, t it'll tell you the story right there. Um, just as just a little free note, it's like Acts is the soil that all the New Testament is birthed out of, right? If you, uh, when you look at the letters that are written in the New Testament, you can usually go back to Acts and find out um, when that happened, all right? But uh, they were only there for three weeks. So these are not believers that had, uh, you know, 15 years worth of teaching, and so they were solid in their faith, um, but they only had Paul and Silas for three weeks. Now, the reason they only had them for three weeks is because of the violence that occurred in the city. If you look at Paul's letters and you read Paul's letters, is it all right if I do just a little teaching here first? If you look at Paul's letters, you will find he's got groupies. But they're not good groupies. He's got these Jews that just follow him around no matter where he goes. And every time he's in a city trying to preach the gospel, these Jews are stirring up trouble. And they're trying to, to destroy Paul. They just follow him. They just show up. Well, they were there. And... and Acts tells us that these Jews were so angry at the gospel that Paul was preaching 
And because it says a multitude of Greeks came to know Christ through his teaching. And for you women, it says not, uh, it goes on to say a lot of the lead, women leaders also accepted the teaching. It says not a few women leaders also accepted the teaching. Well, the Jews did not like this, so they actually went to the marketplace and they gathered the men, Acts says, that the city knew to be evil men. So these were obviously violent people. And those Jews went and gathered those men and formed a mob so that they can go get Paul and Silas and get them out of the city. So they went looking for Paul and Silas. They could not find Paul and Silas. So they went to the house of a believer named Jason and they believe that Jason was hiding Paul and Silas in the house. So they go to Jason's house. They kick down the door, break into Jason's house, search the house to try to find Paul and Silas, can't find Paul and Silas. So they drag Jason and the friends out to the public square, bring them in front of the city leaders who are Romans to say, hey, we're trying to find these, these, these guys, Paul and Silas, because Paul and Silas are saying this Jesus is the king and Caesar is nothing. And, you know, we got a problem with that. How about you? Well, yeah, we have a problem with this. Where's Paul and Silas? We don't know, but we know this guy Jason here. Him and his friends, they're, they're hiding them. Well, they couldn't find them. So what they do is they... Uh, make Jason and his friends pay a large sum of money for bail to let them go. So they're going to get as much out of them as they can. They let them go. Well, Jason and the friends and the believers now know the city is not safe for Paul and Silas. They better go. So under the cover of night, they sneak Paul and Silas out and they leave. So this is why Paul and Silas were only there for three Sabbaths the scripture says, because it was that violent in the city. So here go Paul and Silas. Well, now Paul's worried, right? He's like, these guys only, they're only three weeks into believing. And we've just left them alone in a violent city that obviously is against Christ. Chances are the church is going to fade away here. I'm very concerned about them. So the first Thessalonians is all about the, the letter that Paul sends to him because he's gotten a report from Timothy now that not only has the church not disappeared, but they are flourishing. They are growing in the love of Christ and the love of God. They are growing in the love of their neighbors. They are growing so much that their name and their reputation is starting to spread across the land. That these people love God and they love other people. Now, they're still in the middle of affliction. They're still in the middle of affliction. So this is the point that I can't get past. How is it, Lord, that only three weeks, these people only were under tutelage for three weeks, 
And yet, they are left in a violent place where they, I, I, I'm sure they were harassed. You know, they, they took all that money from Jason and his friends. So that leads me to believe more of that probably happened. Right? Um, but how is it that they were so strong in the Lord and, and so, so um, firm and solid in the Lord after just three weeks that not only are they flourishing, but now their reputation spreading through the land? And so listen to what I say and take it, please take it with the heart that I say it and not as a, a rebuke. But I know we go through persecutions. All right, I'm not making light of life. Life sometimes is difficult. And I know that we go through great difficulties, whether it be our health, whether it be finances, relationships, jobs. Um, you know, these things are real, and we do have trouble getting through them. I know this. But the fact is, most of us, have never faced persecution like these people face persecution. Now, it may be coming in the future, but we haven't, we're not there yet. All right? But they were solid. And so I was asking the Lord, how is that? How is that? And <clears throat> then I started having some conversations with some folks. I was talking to a good friend of mine about this. And I was saying, you know, there had to be experience there. Their relationship has to be the key there. Because you can't just do that and stand up under that just because, you know, you got a teaching. There's got to be something real there. And he said to me, well, you know <clears throat> what the Lord has been revealing to me? And I said, no, what is that? And he said, he's been revealing three words to me. He said, um, and those three words are belong, behold, and become. Belong, behold, and become. And I said, okay, all right. And then Wednesday night, Apostle Calloway was talking, and he said, two things we're lacking is evangelism and discipleship in the church. So I was like, all right, Lord, are those the keys right there? Belong, behold, become, evangelize, disciple. And so you're going to walk with me a little bit down this journey I've been taking the last couple of weeks. And I'm probably going to focus mostly on belong. Okay? Because... If you know me at all, over the years, my biggest thing that I talk to people about is identity. You have to know your identity in Christ. You have to know that you belong with God. You have to know that. That has to be a truth that, is, that does not waver in your life. That has to be a foundational thing that you stand on no matter how difficult life gets. Now listen, 
we always hear that we belong to God. And we do. There is truth in that. We absolutely belong to God. He paid a great price for us. All of heaven was put on the line for us when Jesus died on the cross for us. Right? He paid the price. And so we do belong to God. But you also have to understand that you belong with God. You belong in his inner circle. It's not that God just tolerates you because of the blood of Jesus. And listen, I know if you've been in this church for any length of time, you've heard this a hundred times. But I really, I really don't think we've gotten it yet. That we belong in the inner circle. It was never an option with the Father for you not to be with him. Never. He never created ivory and said, well, you know, maybe he'll make it, maybe he won't. Yeah, if he does, great. If he doesn't, um, you know. Never. The Father has always wanted you. He's always wanted you in his inner circle. He's proved it all through scripture. Give me anything else in all of creation other than us that is created in his image. Why would he create us in his image? Why would he breathe his very life into us? He breathed his very breath into us. He formed us with his own hands. He didn't speak and say, let there be man and woman. He touched us. He formed us. He created everything about us. He always intended us to be with him. And I don't even know where I am in my notes. Because this, this, this thing is so important um, that we need to know this. Listen, Ephesians 1.5 in the New Living Translation says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. He decided in advance that every single one of us would be with him. But here's the struggle we go through. <clears throat> we hear teachings like this, and um, you, you look at the person preaching, and you're like, oh yeah, look at you, you know, you got it all together, you just don't understand. Trust me, baby, <laughs> I am so far from having it all together. And if you knew a lot of my history, you would, you would not recognize me. 30 years ago, I'm telling you, if I go back in my life to the people I used to hang with 30 years ago, 
and showed up, they would be like, who are you? You don't talk like you used to talk. Can I be real transparent with you? I talk like a sailor. My language was not pretty back before I was saved. I could throw down with the best of y'all now. And I know I don't look like that because, see, you, don't, you never knew that person. And thank you. Thank God right now that you never knew that person. <laughs> All right? But because he so completely transformed me. But here's the, here's the thing. Uh, we, we do, we belong with him, but these thoughts come through our head. But you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand uh, the hurt I've had. You don't understand the betrayal I've had. You don't understand the disappointment I've had. You don't understand. I don't need to understand. You don't have to explain your issue to me 15 different times in 15 different ways so that I will fully grasp the pain that you've endured. Because I can't do anything about it anyway. So stop, stop putting other people in a position where they hold the key to your healing. Where they hold the key to your victory. Because they've got nothing for you other than Jesus. And hopefully that's what they're giving you. Amen. He's the only one. He's the only one. And whatever happened to you in the past, listen, my heart breaks because I, I've done enough counseling, I've heard enough stories that I, I can't, to be honest with you, I, I can't believe some people are still walking around and they made it through some of the things. So I don't make light of that. Please hear me. But as much as I would love to turn the clock back and rescue you from whatever the situation was, I can't. And you can't. But who is the one that is outside of time? Let me tell you something. I've seen miraculous things happen because God doesn't care about time. He's not subject to time. It doesn't control him. So he can step right back into that place when you were three years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, whatever it was, he can step right back into that place with you and he could heal it. I've seen it done. Amen. God is much bigger than the box that we put him in. You've got to release him. You've got to destroy the box. And just let God be God. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you're, going, if you're in that place, if you're in that place of hurt and pain, and you can't get out of it, May I suggest to you that you may be 
agreeing with a lie. You may not realize it. Let me read you this. I heard somebody say this. Is it, to me, this is so good, I wish I could claim it as my own, but I can't. <clears throat> you have to come out of agreement with the lie that you are of a nature that's other than the Father. And you have to come into agreement that you have born, been born from above and you are a partaker of the divine nature of the Father. You have to come out of agreement with the lie. You have to. And let me tell you, it's very easy to stay in agreement because there's evidence for it. You made some bad decisions. You paid the consequence. You're walking through the consequence. People have done things against you that they had no business doing. And when they did those things, it changed your identity. Because you started believing that the reason that they did those things to you was because you deserved it. Because you were less than. Because you weren't important. See, that's the lie. That's the lie. They made a decision against the heart of the Father. But it has nothing to do with your identity. And who you are is a partaker of the divine nature of the Father. And I don't care what you're living in right now as you hear me speak. I don't care if you're in the middle of situations, lifestyles, consequences that <clears throat> are not good. It doesn't change the fact, pastor says it all the time, a son is a son whether he's in the house or in the pig pen. A son is a son. So it doesn't matter what you're in at this very moment as I speak. You are still a partaker of the divine nature of the Father. And you can get out of it. You don't have to stay where you're at. And the Father can show you the way out. Amen? Let me give you a little secret. I mentioned this to the worship team in the back. You cannot disappoint the Father. We go back to Genesis. Everybody knows the story of Adam and Eve. Big debate over who was the most at fault there, right? Adam or Eve. Who cares? They both messed up. All right? We'll have to talk to them when we get up there. But Adam and Eve messed up. They immediately thought, God's mad at me now. He's disappointed in me. Because see, now they had the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't have that before. <clears throat> God's mad at me. What do they do? They go hide. They put on fig leaves. We all know the story. But where was God? Right where he always was. Showed up for the evening walk, just like he always did. 
Why is that? Because God wasn't disappointed with them. He wasn't angry with them. See, disappointment comes from when I set my expectations on somebody or something and I'm expecting them to do things a certain way, to not betray me or to have my back or to be there at a time when they're supposed to be there or whatever the case might be, right? I don't know what decision that person is going to make. So therefore, when they don't live up to the standard that I've set in my mind, I'm disappointed. Right? And disappointment could be a really big thing. You know? And we've all disappointed people. And can I say that one of the, one of the hardest things as a human being, I don't know, for me, is to know that I've let somebody down and disappointed them, and I could see the pain and the hurt in their eyes, and I know I'm the one who did it. Man, that's a lousy feeling. But see, that's where disappointment comes from, because we don't know what the other person's going to do. And we're expecting something, and they don't do. Well, God knows the beginning from the end. He knows the decision you're going to make for lunch this afternoon, okay? You probably think you're going to do one thing. God already knows you're going to change your mind in a couple hours, and that's not what you're going to do. All right? God knows these things. Well, he knows it in advance, so therefore you cannot disappoint him. He knew you were going to do that. He knew you were going to make that decision. He knew that thing was going to happen, so therefore he had no standard that he was wondering is she going to make the right decision is she going to oh thought she had it this time he knew I was going to blow it he knew it but he still wants me in his inner circle he still created me in his image he still bankrupt heaven for me right so he already knows all the things the decisions that you have made, he knew those before you made them. He knew the situations you got involved with that you had no business being involved with. He knew you were going to do it before you did it. Did not change his love for you. Did not change that you belong in his inner circle. Now, let's, let's make this clear Because I know we talk a lot about grace here. And I've heard um, on the street, you know, that that church says you can sin and it's okay. There's no consequences for sin. They're all right with that. That's a bunch of baloney. That That is not grace in any stretch of the imagination. Grace actually gives you the power and gives and, and creates in you a desire where you do not want to participate in sin. Grace does not say it's okay for you to live in ways that hurt yourself, hurt the Father, and hurt other people. No. But what grace says is I know you're going to make those bad decisions and I love you anyway. I still love you. 
And when I talk to you about it, and when you know it's wrong, and you still do it again, I still love you. Because I know that when the time comes and you allow me to work with you, we can get it out. We can work with it. Because love will burn out everything from you that is not of love's kind. And that's where the pain comes in. That's where we think that God's torturing us. Oh, God's against me. Why is God allowing this to happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why does this happen? Well, you know, there's a couple reasons. Number one, everybody's got free will. And um, not everybody chooses to use free will wisely. And sometimes they choose to, to hurt other people with their free will. And sometimes God is burning out of you everything that's separating you from him. Everything that does not, uh, everything that is not of love's kind. So anything that separates you from him, he wants it gone. Anything that brings pain in your life, he wants it gone. Anything in you that makes you want to hurt others, he wants it gone. Because how can you possibly live life in that more abundantly if those things are constantly in your life? You can't. Any lie... That's in our, that is in our thought process. He wants it gone. I think in there a song, is it Reckless Love that we sing about kicking down mountains and lies and coming after us? <clears throat> All right, that sounds really, really great in a song. Okay? And we sing it with all gusto and it's like, yeah! But let me tell you, the actual process of him kicking down the walls and tearing down the lies and coming after us, it's not always so fun. It's kind of painful because there's some of those things that we hold on to with dear life and he's trying to rip it out of our hands and we're trying to pull it back. You know what I mean? <clears throat> because then you, when, when, when we're in that place where God's trying to tell us let go of that, because that's not going to end well for you right there. If you will let go of it, I'll do something different. I'll do something better. See, when we don't want to let go, then you have to ask yourself, why don't I trust you, God? Why don't I trust you? Because really that's what it's all about, right? Because see, if my husband tells me, Listen, I'm going to be there to pick you up. You don't have to worry. I know it gets dark at this time and you're not in a very good part of the city or whatever and I will be there at this time to pick you up. Well, I trust him completely because he, I, I know him and I know he loves me and I know he cares about me and my safety is very important to him and he will be there. But now, if Joe Blow on the street that I never met before said, I promise you, I'll be right there. 
I'm, I'm kind of doubtful. I'm making plan B and C. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. All right? So <clears throat> if we're holding on to things, we have to ask ourselves, do we really trust the Father? And if we don't trust the Father, why? Why is that? Is it because we really don't know him as well as we thought we knew him? Maybe. Is it because this is a new area that I've never really had to trust him in before? So I don't know. I mean, but you, you know what I mean? These are, the, these are the questions you have to ask yourself. And then you have to say, okay, if I'm not trusting the Father, it's because I'm believing a lie. I've got to tear it down. I've got to get rid of it. Because the one thing I can trust is the Father. <laughs> That's the one thing I can trust, is the Father. But you have to know that you belong. You have to know that you are supposed to be in the inner circle. You have to know that you weren't an afterthought. You have to know that you're not just being tolerated. He wants you in the inner circle. He always has from day one. And you've never disappointed him. You've never let him down. I told you, guys, I think I told you this once before. <clears throat> and it's just something I've always remembered. My brother, uh, one of my brothers... Uh, is an artist. He, he paints. And um, he showed me a picture once. This was years and years and years ago. He showed me a picture once, and it was a picture of the cross and a person standing by themselves behind the cross, looking at the cross. And you, you could tell it was from the back because there were people in the front. And I said, well, what is this? What are you trying to say in this picture? I said, who's the person? He said, that's me. I said, well, what are you doing back there? <laughs> I mean, why aren't you in the front? Where, what are you doing back there? He said, because you don't know the things I've done in my life. He'd never accept me. I can't show him behind the cross. I was like, oh, wow. No. <laughs> See, you're never behind the cross. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Even those people that in our minds, we're not going to give them grace to, to be accepted by the Father. Those are still his kids. <clears throat> he still loves them. His will is that none should perish. None. That's his will. His heart is that every single person be with him and in the inner circle. And you belong. I've got like five minutes here. So I spent a lot of time on belonging. Beholding and becoming. Maybe that's for another time. But it's, it's when we understand that we belong then we allow ourselves 
to participate with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because we realize we're supposed to be there. When we don't understand we belong, we don't allow ourselves to participate. And the Bible says we're co-heirs with Christ. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is really not supposed to be us begging the Father for forgiveness over and over and over again because we're such terrible little worms and how could he even look at us? Can you just look in my direction for just one second, Lord, please? That's not what prayer is supposed to be. We are supposed to be standing and declaring the works of God. We are supposed to be agreeing with Him and His Word. We're supposed to be releasing things into the atmosphere, releasing things into the Spirit. We're supposed to be changing the atmosphere. We're supposed to be changing the world through prayer because we're cooperating with His Spirit. And we are supposed to be going boldly before his throne. You cannot walk boldly before the throne of grace if you don't think you even belong there. But we are supposed to be walking boldly before his throne, declaring and putting petitions down and making sure that his kingdom goes forth in this world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be at the altar every single Sunday asking him to please look in our direction just for one second. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to change the way we see ourselves. And the more time you spend with the Father, Jesus said, look, I don't do anything I, didn't see the, I don't see the Father do. I don't say anything I don't see the Father, I don't say anything I don't hear the Father say. Well, how's he seeing them and hearing them? How's he know what the Father's doing and saying? He's not up there anymore. He's, he's here. In these bodies. He can't just, hey, coming up. Tell me, give me my marching orders. Actually, he can in the spirit. And we're supposed to be doing that in the spirit. The Father wants to communicate with us. We are spirit. Deep calls to deep. You are supposed to be communicating with the Father. He is supposed to be giving you marching orders. See, but if you don't think that you even belong, then that's not even in the realm of possibility with you. Because in your mind, you are confined to this body right here. And whatever sinful things this body, this flesh wants to do, this is what you're confined to. That's where you're living. See, you got to get out of that. Got to get out of that. Because the alignment should be, your flesh should be under your spirit. Your flesh should not be controlling your decisions and your actions. If your flesh is controlling your decisions and your actions, you're out of alignment. Spirit should be controlling the flesh. How do you think Jesus communicated with the Father? Spirit 
control the flesh? How do you think he could go to the cross? Spirit, control the flesh. You think he wanted to go to the cross? In the flesh? Which one of you guys? Which one of you want to go to a cross? Nobody. He didn't either. You don't think his body felt pain? You don't think he was humiliated? Embarrassed? Flesh controlled the spirit. I mean, spirit controlled the flesh. That's why he was able to do what he did. And that's the promises for us. That's the thing. It, it, these are the things that are available to us. But we have to know that we belong. Then we can behold. We can see what the Father's doing. We can hear, hear what the Father's saying. We can participate with him, communicate with him. And then we can become that which we were always destined to be. Then the light that is in us can shine much brighter than any other light that this world has to offer. And we can become who, who God always created us to be. Amen? All right. Well, that's it. Y'all belong. Amen. Thank you, Father. That's right. Give him another, give him another praise. Because he provided, Father, you provided so much more for us on that cross than we even realize. So much more. And I thank you, Lord, that we do belong. I thank you, Father God, that you always wanted us in your inner circle. I thank you that you've always made a way for us. I thank you that even before the foundations of the earth, your plan was for us to always be one with you. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you are re-releasing that revelation to your church. That we are now starting to see you, Father, in the light of who you really are. That you are a God of love. That you are a God that will sacrifice everything for your children. And as we go forth today, Lord God, help us to remember that we belong. And help us, Lord God, to see those things that we believe, those things that cause us to operate in certain ways, those things that are lies. Highlight those to us. That we would see those, that we would tear them down, Father God, and we would replace them with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you all need prayer, if anybody needs prayer for anything whatsoever, if you, want, if you need salvation, you need healing, you need deliverance, you need encouragement, elders will be up here. Please come forth and get prayer. We don't ever want anybody to leave without receiving prayer, amen? All right, love y'all.